How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Business Theory. I'm your host, Andrew Flowers, and today I'm with Chris Chapteau. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yeah, Chapteau. <laughs> you got it right on. Nailed awesome, it, awesome. One of the VIP services and concierge at a five-star luxury hotel in Miami, Florida. How are you doing, Chris? Yes, sir. All good, brother. How about yourself? Dude, I'm doing fantastic. So let's just dive right into it. Um, what do you do and how did you get started in it? So what I do, uh, I manage VIP clients and I'm also a concierge, at, like you said, uh, five-star luxury resort in Miami Beach. Uh, it's actually the biggest hotel on the eastern seaboard. So we manage quite a lot of people. We have uh, quite a lot of rooms. I'm not going to say exactly how many to come for the privacy of the hotel, of course. But what I do has a lot to do with just networking and making sure that people have an unforgettable experience. And this is something that I didn't know I wanted to do three years ago. But when I was given the opportunity when I was 18, I'm now 20. Um, it was really something that changed my life. And from day one, I knew that it was something that I wanted to do and, and really, you know, keep myself involved in and grow it. So hospitality has become my industry of choice. And after a lot of, you know, trial and error, and definitely my fair share of tribulations, here we are. And I found exactly what it is that I wanted to do and get involved in. And now I'm managing VIP clients and also being a concierge in, you know, one of the best cities to be in the world. And of course, making sure everything goes smoothly for my guests. Definitely. Okay. So how did you, I guess, get into, uh, you know, the hospitality niche? Where'd you come from? You know, was it a kind of a, something that you always looked for? When I was 16, I was given an opportunity to get involved with network marketing. And my thing was, I, I really didn't know where I was getting myself into at the time. At the time I was going to school, I think I was a, a sophomore in high school or just became a junior. And it was just a random summer, I think it was 2015, where I was given an opportunity to get involved with a, a new company in my area. You know the drill, you know how it works. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. That basically was my foot in the door to entrepreneurship in general, which then led me to hospitality. But to break it down a little bit more, I had gotten involved with this company. And my biggest thing with that was the opportunity that I had at hand to mingle and really network with people that were better than me in ways that I wanted to be better myself. You know, I wanted to drive a better car. I actually didn't even have a car at the time. I wanted to drive a car in general, but if I was going to drive a car, I wanted it to be a nice one. You know how it is. Um, I wanted to be making more money. I wanted a fat bank account. I wasn't paying for anything at the time. I actually had a girlfriend for a couple of years. You know, so there, I had a lot of reasons to make money. And this hit me perfectly. Like, it hit me right on the spot. Um, it turned out that I wasn't doing it properly. Um, for some time, I, I actually had to set up a company as almost like a front, which would allow me to make money. And I had to have a joint company with my father to really help me out with, uh, you know, making that kind of thing happen. But Really, with, with network marketing, what got me interested in people in general was that I knew that this was an asset that would never depreciate, which is getting people on your side, getting people on your team. So it wasn't the tactics that were used in network marketing that taught me what I wanted to get out of my life in general, but out of the hospitality industry that I'm now in. It's the people aspect of things, you know, getting to have people on your side, uh, getting to be you know, on the good side of people, not through manipulation, but through inspiration and through example, you know? So Definitely. 
network marketing was really my foot in the door. And if there was anybody that, you know, would be listening to this that's young and they're looking for somewhere to start, not ultimately end up, but they're just looking for somewhere to start that can teach them a lot about not only themselves, but about people, which ultimately is, I would say, the number one skill to have. I would say network marketing would be the way to go because that would be, you know, the number one thing that I would devote where I am right now and where I'm going to be going to. So definitely. I know a lot of people call it, you know, like relationship marketing, really focused yeah. around yeah. how, you know, and, and the thing is that, you know, when you get into network marketing, they teach you a lot about soft skills, exactly. you know, how to, how to communicate with people, how to edify people, how to build relationships, how to, yep. you know, and, and win friends and influence people, the whole, the whole thing. So that's, that's definitely great. Uh, what was your childhood like? Were your parents entrepreneurs? Were you uh, kind of disposed to that in the house? or? So basically, uh, my, my mom's actually in the legal industry and my father's actually, uh, he is an entrepreneur. So that's with the way my child differs a little bit, actually differs a little bit is because I was exposed to that from the very beginning. You know, my dad was running his IT company and I, I basically got the effects from that. And the effects being, you know, like not having a schedule, uh, having to run your client's time, not really your own time all the time, especially since it was a very traditional brick and mortar business where it was, you know, if the client needed you, you're there. And, you know, it's a job in and of itself, not really something that was residual. So I got Definitely. more of the I got more of the American dream side of entrepreneurship, not really the the idealistic modernized version of entrepreneurship, which is about automation and, you know, getting things on a roll where you can then take the time and money that it is that you're making and invest it into something that you really want to do with yourself, you know? So yeah, I, I got, yeah. So I got that kind of side of things. And, and, uh, it, that was life changing in a way that when I, when I had the opportunity to get involved with network marketing, that was when I was, when everything started clicking, you know, this past 15 years of my life, seeing all these different, you know, hours and schedules. Uh, now I'm going to be able to see how that actually works and break down. And then from that point on, my life started to 10 X when, when I really realized that my time is worth more than anything else that I could possibly produce or that I could possibly make for myself in any other way. Definitely. Okay. So you, yeah, you, you kind of had that mindset in the house when you were younger. So kind of switching gears and moving back to what you do currently in the hospitality industry. So you want to touch a little bit on you know, what it is that you do day to day. I know that you said you work with high profile individuals and yeah. you know, high net wealth guests and, and yeah. coordinating their experiences and things. Can you kind of expand on that a little bit? Absolutely. So when a guest wants to come over to the hotel, they'll, of course, depending on their status and depending on their net worth for the most part, there's a certain level of security and confidentiality that's in place when it comes to their profile. Like, we don't want to have a guest that's, you know, staying next to a lot of people that can potentially cause any sort of problems as far as like invading their privacy. So that would be my first order of business, making sure that any of our high profile guests are away from any of our normal guests that are coming into the hotel and more transient, meaning vacationers. So that's my first part of my day. Uh, second would be maintenance, you know, maintaining the VIPs that are currently in the hotel and the current you know, guests that are coming and they're spending, uh, for example, they'll go and get cabanas and day beds out by the pool. So there's certain service involved with that. And then after that would be planning any other things that have to do with the rest of their day. So you're going to spend half the day going to the pool, having lunch with the family. And then the next half of your day is going to be spent 
going to dinners for the most part in the nicer areas of Miami or Miami Beach, and, and then booking tables, for example. So Live Nightclub, Story Nightclub, you know, 11, you know, these big nightclubs we work personally with to make sure that our guests have a great time and maintain that VIP experience. So in general, my position is inclusive of anything that my guest needs to make sure that they have a good time with, of course, respect and integrity to my position in making sure that we have a stable relationship as far as you come, you're spending money, and I'm here to make sure that your money's going and you're getting the most bang for your buck. Definitely. Okay, so are you kind of put on a case-by-case or a guest-by-guest basis, I guess you could say? You're not kind of overseeing, exactly. you know, a bunch of guests at one time. It's like exactly. almost a personalized experience. Very, very personalized. You know. So I used to work at a, I, I could say this because uh, it's a larger brand. I used to work for Ritz Carlton. So in Ritz Carlton, it was very different. You know, we were dealing with professional sports teams. Uh, we were dealing with a, a different level of VIP guests. But it was more so that kind of style that you were talking about, where it's like I was supervising a lot of different guests and it wasn't very personalized. It was as personalized as we can make it in my current position. You know, like there yeah. was a very fine line that I couldn't cross. This is a little bit different. It's a little bit more Las Vegas where, you know, when a, a high roller comes into a Las Vegas hotel, you know, they state their demands and we do our best to make sure those demands are met. Or if the specific demands aren't met, then we do at least the equivalent in one way or another. So it's a lot more liberating. It's a lot more personalized. It requires a little bit more creativity. So, yeah. Okay. So how did your experience with network marketing and learning how to talk with people, how did that, you know, help you in your current position today? And where do you see it taking you in the future? So network marketing would be helping me big time because like I said, at the beginning of this, I'm 20, you know, most of the people that are coming into the hotel are not my age. For the most part, I deal with people that are double my age or at least 1.5x my age. Um, so it's really being able to step into that realm of maturity and be able to hold a conversation with them. Because at the end of the day, when you're checking into a hotel and you're spending, you know, a minimum of $8,000 or you're spending, you know, $50,000 over a course of four or five days, it's you, you don't want to be talking to some kid, right? You want to be talking to somebody that, you know, knows the area that you want to be talking to somebody that can recommend you XYZ or ABC and be able to make sure that your 50 grand or whatever it is that you're spending is going to be going towards you having a good time and you not forgetting that, you know, you're coming back here with me to have a good time. You know, network marketing was able to help me in that sense by exposing me to situations where I needed to use my mind and my mouth to create opportunities for myself. Okay, definitely. So putting you in a, in a good position, posturing you in a good position mm-hmm. to communicate with the guests. And I guess it's something, right. you know, not a lot of people think about is there's a lot that goes into and behind the scenes of the concierge position, Correct. especially with high level guests, you know, that's something that a lot of people think about, but Correct. you know, where do you see yourself moving forward either in the hospitality niche or furthering your, your career in this, you know, area in this field. So ultimately I do want to own hotels and I want to open up a franchise of a certain luxury brand. So this, like I said, is definitely my alleyway. You know, anything I do outside of this, whether it be investing in real estate or investing in different, you know, currencies, for example, cryptocurrency or, or any stock options, uh, anything that's on the table outside of what I currently do. So 
hospitality would definitely be my number one thing as far as right now my next plan would be i'm looking at las vegas i'm looking at dubai i'm going to dubai this october for a week and a half or maybe even two weeks to study hospitality and of course you know broaden my knowledge of the city and see if that's going to be my next move but it would definitely be expanding myself in hospitality as far as managing hotels and then being able to own hotels and then buying hotels you know so it's definitely going to be you know level by level step by step but furthering my career in hospitality to the highest level there is is definitely going to be the move uh for example a ritz carlton and i and i use ritz carlton because that's where i work so i know a little bit more about it than you know a regular hotel brand or things that information that you can just find on an article here or there it's got about 85 properties give or take so these 85 properties are not owned by ritz carlton or are not owned by marriott there's people that are buying these properties and then they employ the ritz carlton hotel or they employ you know marriott okay. to manage these properties so that's the kind of area that i would like to be on you know that's kind of, that's that's looking like the realm that i want to step into and then everything else outside of that would branch from my my biggest industry definitely okay so how i bet you see this on a daily basis but how does entrepreneurism that you know the entrepreneurial mindset how does it interact day to day in the hospitality industry do you see you know the entrepreneurial mindset in what you do every day Mm-hmm. So, I don't see the entrepreneurial mindset in what I do every single day, not from my end, but from a lot of people's end. I think there's a lot of people involved in hospitality that shouldn't be involved in hospitality, or you know what people like to use customer service. Customer service is not a department; it's not a job; it's a it's an attitude. You know, like having to like dealing with people is in general just an attitude at first. It's never going to be just a job or a position you can apply for. Uh, so. I think when you take somebody like me or close even to the mindset that I have as far as wanting to develop themselves in the business world, using hospitality as their vehicle, uh, I think you can find that more in people that are looking to advance themselves in hospitality. And how you find that is by finding the most empowered person. So the best example that I can give you of that would be somebody that's always networking with their guests is 100% the biggest entrepreneurial aspect of being involved with hospitality if you work in the hospitality industry, you know, whether it be a high-end restaurant or a hotel one way or another. Networking, that networking aspect of hospitality is by far the biggest entrepreneurial, you know, instinct that I see. And then next would be, uh, for example, what I do, which is taking guests into their own hands and making sure that one way or another their guest is taken care of as if a business owner was taking care of their client because it's the same exact thing. Definitely. Okay. So I know you mentioned networking with your guests. Just for the sake of the listeners, what would you estimate or what would you say their net worth is in the ballpark of? Okay. So I'll, I'll give you guys, <laughs> for the sake of the listeners, one example. There's a, there's a type of card that J.P. Morgan Chase offers. It's called the Palladium card. So the J.P. Morgan Chase Palladium card is only, it's of course invitation only. And that card is only given to people that have a combined asset worth of five million plus. So that's typically, for the most part, who I'm dealing with. Um, that card is, is one that I'll see r- more rare compared to the American Express Centurion card, which is the black card that you know of, you know the yeah. famous black card that everybody talks about, and you know you see in all the all the cool pictures. Um, those I deal with a lot more. For the most part, American Express will go ahead and audit. Uh, after you spent on the platinum card in excess of a quarter million dollars a year, 
So that would definitely be my my average in terms of clientele. I would say anywhere between one million to ten million dollars in assets is typically who I'm dealing with on a daily basis. Okay. So and and how has working with individuals like that really elevated your mindset and you know not only not only your mindset but also your whether it's your vocabulary or your dexterity or you know what i'm saying yeah yeah tremendously so dealing with these kinds of people have shown me that there's quite a few different types of people as far as net worth is concerned so you can have you know everybody knows that obnoxious guy or that you know that person that you just never want to be like you know that's an asshole part of my language but you know, that's, that's going to come off as the, the type of person that you just never want to be like. And, you know, sometimes it's a nightmare to deal with these kind of people. And then you have people that are, of course, a lot more humble that are understanding of certain situations. And, you know, at the end of the day, they understand that money is money and that their experience is, is really what they cherish over the amount of money that they're spending. So what I would say in terms of how it's helped me is the networking has helped me really understand how people work as far as these type of people like everybody wants to make a million dollars right everyone wants to have a million dollar plus asset valuation so one thing i've really understood is the gray line between having a million dollars and you know being able to to understand where people are coming from as in like making it from the bottom coming from the bottom up you know like you start in college or you start in high school wherever and then you take you have this slow climb journey of jobs you don't want to work or businesses that have failed and then you make it you can tell that kind of person right off the bat as opposed to somebody who's just inherited a shit ton of money and you know they're coming and it's kind of like a fuck you you know definitely again pardon my language but that's really been the the most that it's helped me out by being able to profile people and off the bat be able to deal with certain situations given the certain profile of different people okay okay so so dexterity by far that's, yeah. That's definitely okay. So really judging, I guess, who your guest is going to be yeah, and then determining through that situation, well, do I need to, is it going to be more of these kind of events or these kind of events and, and this kind of like, language, this tone, yeah. you know, how I'm going to, if you have, have you ever had a problem, like in, in any place that you've been delivered service? Definitely. So by far, whoever it is that's taking care of that service, whether it be a server at a restaurant or, you know, an agent checking you in at a hotel, that person is always judging you and not judging you in, in a way where, you know, we use the word judge, like, hey, I don't judge or I judge people. No, it's not about that. It's about being able to profile the kind of person that you're dealing with. You know, it's about your safety. It's about your, you know, your reputation in that person's eyes is going to come off in, in a certain way, depending on how you approach them. You know, if I'm having a problem somewhere and I'm dealing with a girl that comes off me with a terrible, nasty attitude, or whether it be a girl or a guy, whoever it is, but somebody that's coming off to me after I'm having an issue with a terrible, nasty attitude, I'm going to have to speak to somebody else. You know, like I don't want to deal with that kind of person. So being able to be, uh, you know, having that dexterity when you're dealing with people is always going to save you, always. And and I mean 100% of the time because you can never get caught in a sticky situation if you're able to maneuver uh, you know, around a situation that has to deal with different types of people, you know, a little bit um, sticky at times when it comes to dealing with a wide variety of people. But definitely, definitely that, that kind of dexterity and being able to maneuver around different situations will help you out in ways that I can't even describe in one sitting with you, you know? Absolutely. It's, and 
that can be taken into business as a whole. Correct. Being able to read people, whether it's in business meetings, whether it's yep. your, your clients, whether it's yep. your employees, being able to read people. That's a, you know, that's a skill that that's so undervalued, but it's yeah. so, so powerful once you're able to harness it. You agree? Exactly. You know, like, you know. I think the biggest takeaway from what you just said would be when we're talking and, and I use this, I'm going to use this example because I think everybody can relate to it. It's like when you meet somebody from Instagram that you've talked to for a year or six months, you know, like Andrew, we haven't met yet, bro. But I know like when we meet, we'll be able to have a great conversation and we'll judge off of a post or a story post, whatever it is that, you know, this guy's got good vibes. He's got great energy. You know, you can tell that kind of thing. And that in and of itself is a skill, a mindset and an attitude that people need to possess. And like you said, is completely undervalued. That would be the biggest takeaway that I believe, you know, if anybody were to take from this podcast, it would be your attitude as far as how you approach people will dictate how that relationship goes from day one to day 1000 plus, you know? Exactly. I know that's something, especially so important with, you know, social media, it's like the DM culture. If you, for the sake of this analogy, you see it on Instagram, the gurus or, you know, people trying to flex for clout, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're going in to that situation, I guess, looking at this guru, you're going to DM them or whatever, and you're going into it already with a pre uh, supposition about yeah, yeah. what, what their attitude is going to be, or you're already going into it thinking, you know, they're already going, they're going to act this way or they're, you know, they're going to have some type of my, you know, attitude towards me. You're already limiting yourself. Let's say, cause especially in your, your industry, you can't do that because you, yeah. you'd get screwed one way or another if exactly. you, so what, what would be, I guess, one of the best examples like, uh, that you have, or, or what was pick a situation that you, you had, I'll give you a common, uh, I wouldn't even say common because it's, it's pretty uncommon, but I'll give you one of the biggest um, shortcomings that I've had when it comes to like reading people. So in a hotel, and I didn't realize how big this business was until I got involved with hospitality, but the convention business is so huge that it's like, it's almost inconceivable, right? So groups, companies, businesses, they'll come into hotels and they'll spend a ridiculous amount of money. I'm talking like six figures on a breakfast, right? For a ton of people that come in. Yeah, right? Like for a ton of people that come and need to have breakfast while they're paying $100 for a ticket to attend this convention. So one of my biggest shortcomings have been, you know, when you're talking to somebody, you'll speak, especially from the service industry, you'll say ma'am or sir, right? So whenever I've dealt with a doctor and I've addressed them as ma'am or sir, I've literally had people scream at me saying, you know, I didn't go to school for 20 years for nothing. You're going to call me really? doctor. Yeah, like you're going to call me doctor. And, and dude, <laughs> I get it. You know, like they, they would spend a lot of money on school. Um, and if you wow. went to school for 20 years, you want to be approached as, or you want to be called Dr. Smith or Dr. You know, Jonathan or whatever it is that you want to be called. But doctor at the front, by far. So attention to detail, especially when it comes to dealing with people, has always been like, I mean, I've just realized now has always been something that is underutilized, but can play into somebody's agenda so greatly. Like if you want to be 
huge. If you want to be something huge on social media, then I think one of the biggest things would be paying attention to detail. And how do you pay attention to detail? You understand how people work. So self-awareness and then massive awareness about the type of audience that there is and the type of details that they look for can play into somebody's advantage like no other. So that doctor experience has been one of the biggest, I wouldn't say setbacks. It was, it was a shortcoming that I had that, that was kind of like, you know, you uh, fall back two steps and jump forward eight, you know? Definitely. That's something they don't teach you, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's, exactly. I mean, especially because I, I imagine, you know, you prep before you, you go and meet these, these individuals. And I don't think, you know, in the situation, they don't realize it because at the end of the day, they think you just appear there to serve. Yeah, them, yeah. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, but that's that's crazy to think that that's such a small detail, you know. Can really set up the rest of a conversation. You know, exactly. Like, because and that's something that, especially taking that into business, is going, whatever small detail it is, realize this in the social media marketing industry, is going in and being able to connect with your client or whether it's a client or a prospect, being in that meeting or on the phone call, doing your research beforehand is so important because they think, yep. you know, say I'm phone call with a, a dentist, for example, and talking to this dentist and I did my research beforehand and noticed, you know, on their Facebook page, their son was going to baseball championship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Making conversation on the call, not in a creepy way, like, Oh, Hey, you have a son, but Hey, yeah. Hey, I saw you on Facebook and I noticed your son was going to the championships for whatever sport yeah tell them congratulations it's taking that extra step exactly that i think a lot of people realize exactly that's huge that's Trying huge. that that automatically sets you up for success howdy that can help out any entrepreneur by far is that kind of you know that kind of play on somebody's emotion which is you know i realized that i saw you on facebook and I saw your son just made it over to the championships. I want to wish you congratulations. And I want to wish your son a congratulations. And I wish him the best of luck. Do you, like, can you imagine how much somebody's heart opens up to you already? Just by saying that, just by playing on that, you know, it's very small, but huge detail in that person's life. That already automatically sets you up for success with that person and recurring business, should you know what you're doing. So, exactly. Oh it elevates, God. it elevates you to the next level because especially I mean especially in a field that requires a lot of sales and a lot of cold prospecting it's important every day to be able to elevate the conversation other than just a traditional hey I want your business or hey you're not doing this exactly it's about providing value and that's what it always comes back to especially in entrepreneurship and business Mm -hmm. it's all about providing value and I know you do that probably very you know, well, and to a, a high amount with your, your guests, you know, providing them value outside of what they're spending monetarily. Yeah. Providing them value, you know, whether it's with your vocabulary, the way you dress them, you know, your responsiveness, mm-hmm. all of those different areas. Exactly, bro. I can't like, I, I remember being so frustrated sitting in my house. Like I, I went on this three month hiatus where I didn't have a job and I didn't, I wasn't doing anything. I was making no money. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a business that I was involved in. I had just bought an e-com course. I'm not going to say from who, but you know, like (laughs) I was just in such a position where I was like, you know, I keep hearing from 
all these big entrepreneurs on all their podcasts and all their things that they're doing that deliver value, deliver value, deliver value. And I always thought that it was monetary. I always thought that it was like, you know, I'm going to deliver value by giving somebody a shout out on Instagram, or I'm going to give deliver value by, you know, X, Y, Z. It could be a post. It could be, bro, uh, delivering value could be in so many different ways. But I think if an entrepreneur can assess the level of value that any circumstance means to somebody, they can automatically have a winning edge over any client that they face. For example, if me and somebody else are going over, no, I mean, going for another client, and then this potential client has to decide between my business or somebody else's business, if that person was able to connect with that person more, they see themselves automatically doing business with that person because of the type of conversations they can hold for the next three to six months should they do business together for that amount of time, you know? I think so much more is taken into business than just value from the surface level as far as what your business offers. Because if your business is by far the best in the city, you know, you deliver the best branding, you, like you have the best branding package, you have the best advertising, you know the best people, you have the most successful network, but you're a dick and they don't want to talk to you, they're going to go with the second best. So at the end of the day, we can spot and we can see how many people dealing with all these people that are not delivering a good product or not delivering good service in their business, but they're with them for so long, for years on end. Why? It's because of the rapport. It's because of the relationship. So that automatically should tell people that, look, we're not here to just sell our business. We're here to build a relationship. And I don't think people should be in the business of entrepreneurship, at least not from a, a service level as far as like dealing with people on a daily basis, face to face, I don't think that they should be entrepreneurs if they're not ready to take what comes with having a relationship with somebody one, five, 10 X, you know, like it's the most important thing by far. You could have the best business ever, but if that person does not want to deal with you for the next month or so, it's not happening. Exactly. And that's something, you know, it's, it's so important, but I mean, entrepreneurship is relational. It's all about connecting with people and especially with, owning a business you're not selling a product or a service you're just solving a problem that they have exactly and to be able to solve that problem you have to be able to connect with them correct in every Definitely. way so i guess going back to what you do specifically what would be i guess your takeaways from what you do and you know in giving advice to a young entrepreneur what would be your advice from what you do how to you know, succeeded in entrepreneurship? You know, I think if there was one thing that I could say, it would be get out and quickly find what it is that you don't want to do. Because the faster you find it, it what it is that you don't want to do, and the faster you find it, what it is that you don't want to, uh, as far as the situation is concerned, where you don't want to end up in the next five years or so, go out there, really establish that with yourself, and you will even faster find out what it is that you do want to do. I was working at Chipotle before I worked at, you know, in the industry that I'm working in now. And every single day I had to deal with people every day that, I, you know, I was there since I was actually a minor at the time, I couldn't work full time. So I was working 20, 25 hours and, and they actually threatened to fire me for staying too long because the company had, had noticed that I had been staying over my hours and I was threatened to be fired for working a little extra longer. So I had quickly realized, and, and I actually worked there from October of that year. I forgot exactly which year it was. I worked from October of that year to February of that year. And it was on my 18th birthday. 
uh, the week of my 18th birthday that I left the job. And then actually the day of my 18th birthday that, that I dropped out of school. And I'm not suggesting that people drop out of school. I'm suggesting that people go out there and quickly figure out what it is that they want to do because they will, I mean, quickly figure out what it is that they don't want to do because that will quickly put them into a position of the things that they do want to do. For example, if anybody who's listening to this has ever been in a traumatic situation, you automatically know that for the rest of your life, you never want to put yourself through that kind of trauma again. So what it like you automatically subconsciously you programmed yourself to stay away from what it is that you don't want to go through again like a bad relationship or like a bad issue with somebody or a fight or whatever it is that that happened so why don't people apply the same thing to business or why don't people apply the same thing to their entrepreneurial or creative spirit they i mean that's what i'm suggesting that people look for what it is that they don't want to do and that will quickly point them into the direction of what they do want to do. So, for example, when we when we go through discomfort, we automatically seek comfort. So if we automatically seek discomfort, then comfort will come right to us automatically. So that would be number one in terms of what I would suggest over anything as far as young entrepreneurs are concerned. Getting out there, discovering what it is that they don't want to do or who they don't want to be like, which will automatically point them into the in the right direction. Okay. For themselves, awesome. of course. Awesome. Definitely. So – Last one of the last things here, what would you suggest or what would you tell, you know, any of the listeners that want to get involved in the hospitality niche or want to get, you know, involved in the industry of servicing people and helping elevate yeah. guests experiences? Oh man, I love this question, brother. Um, what I would say is that depending on your area, of course, um, you really want to take into account the type of hospitality service or the type of service bracket that you want to get into. For example, when you're talking about hotels, there's a very fine line between a Holiday Inn, um, you know, uh, an upper level Marriott, for example, and then a Ritz Carlton or St. Regis or W, you know. Um, so you quickly want to identify the level of hospitality that you want to get into, whether it's just basic service here and there, you know, like bed and breakfast style, or you want to get into something a lot more luxury where you become a tailored person. You need to learn how to dress yourself. You need to learn how to have proper etiquette. You need to learn how to conduct yourself in a conversation with people that are very sporadic in terms of an in evolving type of clientele. For example, 20 years ago, there weren't people you're in my age, Andrew, that were checking into luxury hotels. And today, there are people that are going and checking into luxury hotels, whether it be influencers or whether it be, you know, trust fund babies, you name it. But there's there are kids that are getting a lot more educated about the, you know, about economic levels of prosperity and where they want to be in terms of the side of the fence. So if there was anything that I would tell anybody that's listening right now that wants to get involved with hospitality, it would be go and find the closest hotel to you in terms of, you know, the level that you want to get into, um, apply and automatically get your feet wet, whether it be a high end restaurant, hotel, a restaurant at a hotel, I would highly recommend. Those are fantastic because it takes, the clientele of the hotel, which is usually on a higher end than just a regular restaurant in a plaza, and it'll filter those kinds of people your way because people are looking for convenience when they're at a hotel, not you know anything extra unless they're at some sort of expeditionary hotel. But that's definitely number one. Getting involved with hospitality in that sense would be like paramount to anybody's success. Absolutely. So where can people find more and learn more about you where can they connect with you so they can connect with me on instagram it's k dot so k 
Uh, we can link it actually on this post as well because it's a little long to spell out, but K period R I S T O F E R. And uh, that's definitely going to be the best place to connect with me. I'm always on there. Uh, I'll usually answer within the first couple minutes. So definitely look forward to connecting with everybody listening. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll go ahead and drop this down in the description. But anyway, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Um, and I wish you all the best moving forward definitely. in the hospitality Likewise, industry. Brother. Thanks so much for having me, bro. <laughs> appreciate it, my guy. Thank you. Awesome, man, dude. Later, brother.